Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. The Grinch did not steal Christmas. Here's the millennial with the mic. They want you to say Grace. Grace Curley. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Happy Friday. What a great Friday it is. We are live. We have a fabulous show planned. And Christmas is on Monday. So we are going to definitely be mixing in some fun segments today. It's going to be light. It's going to be great. Um, But we do have a lot of issues to still get to because, as you all know, you're very well aware, Joe Biden never takes a day off. He takes a lot of days off. Forty percent, actually, of his presidency thus far has been taken off. But the effects of his administration never take a day off. So we're going to talk to Jessica Vaughn from the Center for Immigration Studies in the one o'clock hour. There's so much to unpack with the border. And I will be honest, I've been distracted lately from other news. I've been putting this off, um, but it's important that we get this in because our southern border is a disaster. KJP held a press conference yesterday and It was even for KJP, even for Biden administration, best and brightest standards. It was absolutely pathetic. And we're going to talk about that. And we're also going to discuss the latest media talking point regarding Texas Governor Greg Abbott's. This is how they're describing it. Racist, extreme new law in Texas, which means it makes sense. It's not racist. It's not extreme. That's code for it makes sense and it might actually work. So we have to demonize Greg Abbott and we have to fear monger about this law because Joe Biden's not doing anything to prevent the mass illegal immigration that we're seeing. I also love how it becomes like I keep reading all these headlines about how Greg Abbott might be overstepping federal law and it's like well yeah well because the feds aren't really doing anything so you got to kind of take matters into your own hands when nobody's helping you this is what always amazes me about the biden administration he's big on like my hands are tied we've put together i could i could be an ai chat of all of the excuses that the biden administration comes up with i have them at the tip of my tongue it is We've put together a comprehensive immigration form, and now it's up to Congress. Everything's up to Congress when they don't want to do anything. But, you know, I give Joe Biden some credit because when he wants something to happen, when he wants to unconstitutionally cancel student loan debt, he wants to kill off a bunch of jobs for the Keystone Pipeline, he can do a lot by himself. But when it comes to enforcing our immigration laws... He's a victim of circumstance. It's not up to him. You know, the the ball's in the Republicans' court, as he loves to say. So you have KJP, and she's up there, and she's just making excuse after excuse as to why they can't do anything. And the reason the Greg Abbott part of this conversation fascinates me is because this is not the first time we saw this. We saw this with Ducey. Doug Ducey, not a Peter Ducey or Steve Ducey, in Arizona, when they he was trying to figure out 
how to block these major gaps in the border wall. And he said, let's bring in some shipping cargo containers and stack them up. And then the Biden administration, you try to do something to fix the problems that they've created. They don't want to help at all. But if you try to do something proactive and say, well, you know what? I'll help the people of my state. I'll put up some shipping containers, some cargo containers and try to block block these major gaps. Then the Biden administration. It's like the, the free Britney people. They show up pretty damn quick. And this is no shade, Jared, to the Free Britney people. They're very resourceful and passionate people. But all I mean is, at the drop of a hat, they can get there. It's like all these protesters, the climate protesters. They can figure out how to get somewhere really quickly when they need to or when they want to. And so the Biden administration, without missing a beat, is like, you can't put up cargo containers. There's a... There's an animal, the, the popping plovers. I know it's not the popping plovers, but they come up with something about animals and, you know, the habitats and how it's dangerous for the climate. And you're breaking this law or that law and you can't put this here. And But they don't want to do anything. They want to shoot down other people's ideas and call them racist and extreme and dangerous. But they don't have any ideas of their own. Their only idea is keep the border open and let people pour in. And... We also have, so I was, I was messaging with Jessica Vaughn today, and she's like, what do you want to talk about? So I just keep sending her cuts of KJP, just blatant lies. And I was honest with Jessica. I'm like, I'm going to use this interview as not only a very informative opportunity for my audience, but also shamelessly here uh, an excuse for me to play these ridiculous cuts and get your reaction. And then... I sent her the email with all the KJP cuts, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, but I also want to talk about Greg Abbott's new law. So I sent that to her. And then I said, oh, but I also want to talk about this new report that the Healy administration put out of all the towns and cities that are sheltering migrants. So Jessica Vaughn this morning, my apologies. She's just getting blasted with emails from me. I also want to talk about she's probably thinking to herself, how long is this interview going to be? I've got about 12 minutes to cover all these issues. But this this story about the Healy administration, they put out this list, this report of all the towns and cities in Massachusetts that are taking the governor up on her uh, all hands on deck order and sheltering migrants. Now, it's weird. A lot of the hate has no home here towns. You know, the W towns, as uh, someone on Twitter put it. I think it was Boston Radio Watch might have said that. A lot of the hate has no home here towns. They're not doing their fair share. It's almost like the morally superior virtue signalers, the elitists, are hypocrites or something. I don't know. I I, I don't want to. I don't want to jump on that too fast, Jared. But that's the vibe I'm getting. Hate has no home here. Neither do you. Get your <laughs> ass to Chelsea. Yeah. There, a lot of the towns that are taking people in, they have their own issues. And now they're just taking in all of these newcomers to our land. So we'll talk about that. We have plenty of time to get to it and take your calls. Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, for now, it seems like that could be that could be changing at any moment. Um, she's still under fire. She's still embattled. She's still dealing with, I like to use all these, you know, cliche journalism terms. She's still dealing with mounting allegations of plagiarism, mushrooming scandals. Did I say plagiarism? I meant inadequate citations. Oh, did I say inadequate citations? I'm sorry. I meant duplicative language. 
duplicative language. As her mounting allegations continue to mushroom, you know what that means for us here at The Grace Curley Show. That means we will be pouncing, and we will be seizing, and we will be weaponizing, and we will be salivating, and we will be milking, and we will be just enjoying, just enjoying this craziness and the noise around her unethical behavior. And I wanted to mention that I tweeted out yesterday about the euphemisms like inadequate citations and duplicative language that um, the media is now drumming up and really Harvard is coming up with to run cover for gay. Harvard is the one who's putting out like, oh, I believe it was the Harvard Corporation that first put out the letter saying, we're going to keep gay on, you know, we're very proud of her. And then they said inadequate citations. That was the first time I saw that. I thought, ooh, they're really... They're really pulling out all the stops for Claudine. And many of my followers, so I put that out and I said, oh, look at this is the latest euphemism. Because I keep thinking of if you're a student who got the boot for plagiarism and you're like, hey, when you guys sent a letter home and told me I couldn't come back and I wasn't going to get a degree, nobody was calling it inadequate citations. I would love if you're a student out there. I feel like one of the lawyers on TV. If you're a student and you got kicked out of Harvard for plagiarism, call in. 844-500-4242. We're a safe space for you. We want to hear, did they use any of these euphemisms when you got the axe? Or did they use the P word? Because I think plagiarism, these schools love to catch you when it comes to plagiarism. And they weren't playing fast and loose with the definition of it. It was plagiarism. When when I was a kid, if you got caught doing it, it was plagiarism. So I, I threw that out to the listeners and I said, I said, oh, look at all these new uh, look at all these new ways that we can describe plagiarism, all these new words, semantics. And I said, do you guys have any favorites? And I didn't realize it until this morning. I got some great responses from people. And I actually you know what I did. I included everyone's handle because I don't want to be accused of inadequate citations. I don't want to be accused of claudining this situation. So I want to give credit where credit is due. We have Johnny Bravo 58. Unauthorized lateral phrase transfer. I like it. It's a little wordy, but I like it. Walter Thomas says, plagiarism, the inadvertent or coincidental use of previously published material, which the author acknowledges she accidentally inserted into her dissertation. Again, very good. A little wordy, a little lengthy, but I like it. Ted Keenan, too, wrote previously owned word order. The New Englander wrote borrowing verbiage. I think the borrowing is good. Leasing verbiage, maybe. These are all possibilities. But now... Fortune magazine wrote that and they're calling it the Harvard Harvard's donor revolt, which I like. And there's a big story out how uh, another billionaire is putting the kibosh on his donations to Hamas University. I have no idea why. I can't understand why people don't want to keep spending their money by donating to this university that will not condemn calling for the genocide of Jews. But I'm loving I'm, I'm loving how these donors are just saying, yeah, you guys can do whatever you want to do, but I'm not going to really pay for it anymore. I'm not going to fund this kind of hatred. 
And this all kind of begs the question, how long does Claudine Gay have left at Harvard? The more billionaires say, I'm out, the more like the New York Times writes that you should get the boot for plagiarism. I think I saw that today. Some of these left-wing outlets are starting to turn on Claudine Gay. I never thought I'd see the day. We're going to talk about that. I also really want to discuss, I'm loving, 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 loving the hot takes from the media when it comes to the Colorado Supreme Court decision. I love this now. You know what they're concerned about now? The safety of judges. News to Brett Kavanaugh. News to Gorsuch. Now they're worried about the safety of justices. Hmm. You learn something new every day. We're going to talk about that. We're going to take your calls. We've got a great show planned. It's 844-500-4242. And Jared, I don't know if you know this because you were on vacation for a bit, but yesterday's poll question, which was a fun Christmas poll question, was popping off. We got so many votes. So many people were debating it online. If you want to partake in our poll question now, it's gracecurlyshow.com. And I think this one is the biggest Christmas debate of all. Yeah, it's it's a barn burner every year. And I think I know where you stand on it. I think I know where you stand on it, Jared, but I'm not quite sure. So we'll have to find out when we come back. Don't go anywhere. It's our Friday Christmas Spectacular. And this is The Grace Curley Show. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. So many of Harvard's problems, if you put them in a nutshell, because I hear people saying, I don't know you cared about free speech when it comes to the congressional testimony or the congressional hearing where uh, Claudine Gay and Cornbluth and McGill all got themselves in a lot of trouble, you know, all all on their own, by the way. It wasn't like it was a really hard question to answer, but they refused to condemn calling for the genocide of Jews or refused to say that it violates their school's bullying and harassment policies. And then people want to, you know, come back at it and say, well, I thought you were first free speech. This is the same thing with the plagiarism story. There should be one standard. Yeah, if if Harvard had free speech, sure, but they don't. They have free speech if you want to call for the genocide of Jews. They don't have free speech if you want to, I don't know, talk about men and women's sports. They don't have free speech if you're a conservative and you want to speak on campus. They don't have free speech if you want to question DEI or if you want to question the way uh, their acceptance rates occur or the way that their applications go when it comes to certain races. They don't want to have free speech when it comes to any of that. They want to have free speech when it comes to violent rhetoric towards Jews. So that's hypocrisy. That's why Republicans are calling this out. And you could say the same thing about this plagiarism. Fine, if you just allow inadequate citations to run amok on your campus and you allow duplicative language to rule the day, fine. But there's been plenty of instances with students where that wasn't allowed. And so if it's what's good for the goose, you know the rest. If it was good enough to kick out other students and then the president is doing it, how can you look at people with a straight face and say you have any sort of standards? You don't. You're hypocrites. 
And you could take Harvard, and then you could take that as the entire progressive left. Rules for thee, but not for me. You all stay home. I'll go to the French Laundry. You have to get vaccinated. I'll let people come into the southern border who have never been vaccinated for anything in their entire lives. This is liberalism in a nutshell. And you know what? It's not even liberalism. It's progressivism. Because I've heard from enough of my editors, they don't appreciate using the word liberal when it goes to describe people like these far left radicals who are the furthest thing from liberal you could ever meet. Let's play Chris Rufo here explaining this. He said, uh, this is a brazen pattern. This is cut 15. It's brazen, it's repeated, and it's very serious plagiarism uh, that would have any Harvard student under, cur- under current Harvard rules that are written out in the book uh, expelled uh, or, or at, at the very least forced to withdraw from the college for two semesters. I actually went back and found Harvard's rule book from 1995 and 1998 when, when, when Gay was working on that PhD thesis. Uh, even at the time, she absolutely violated the plagiarism rules. She should have been forced to withdraw for at least two semesters. Uh, and so, look, uh, the bottom line is this. She not only plagiarized substantive material in much of her academic work, she even plagiarized, as you just went through in detail, the acknowledgement section. You know, it was funny, too. I was listening to Howie's show yesterday and somebody called up and, and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a, t- a deranged liberal or anything like that. But he was saying, oh, well, you know, it's colloquialisms and you can't you can't plagiarize when it comes to you can only plagiarize when it comes to scientific material. You can't plagiarize the kind of things that she was talking about. And I thought I've never heard any of these arguments before. And you know who would really appreciate these arguments? Mike Barnacle. I'll give you another guy who might appreciate who might appreciate all of the newfound kind of acceptance of plagiarism would be Joe Biden. Like, if he knew that this was going to happen, where where at some point in his life people were going to be looking at plagiarism and going, well, you can't really plagiarize people's words. It's really only meant for scientific research. I I think Joe Biden would hear that and go, since when? Since when? That was not what I heard. When I was talking about being the first Biden in a thousand generations to go to college. Or whatever his speech was. I don't know. He could tell you more about it than I could. Or whoever actually wrote it. Neil Kinnick, I think, was the guy who actually wrote it. So maybe he could tell you about it. But this whole thing about, oh no, now it's very specific circumstances where you can plagiarize. Since when? And this is all in an effort to protect one lady. One lady. I guarantee you the Harvard Corporation is thinking, so this was a gamble sticking with her and it was a mistake. It was not worth it. When we come back, we're going to do the poll question. We're going to take more of your calls. And we're going to talk about plagiarism at Harvard. Don't go anywhere. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. We're talking about the president of Harvard. Perhaps soon to be the ex-president of Harvard, Claudine Gay, who's in a lot of trouble for plagiarizing several different pieces from several different people. Or at least parts of her dissertation and other writings were lifted from 
others, according to uh, several different places, including the Boston Globe ran a story on it, of all places. Then again, they're they're very familiar with plagiarism, so why shouldn't they? Um, but one of my one of my followers on Twitter, and I really appreciate this when I when I said to people, "What are some cool new euphemisms for plagiarism?" You know, inadequate citations, borrowed language, lateral phrase, copy paste. I, I I don't know. There's there was a lot of great ones. You should check it out. But somebody replied back with a meme of the very memorable, iconic scene from Goodwill Hunting, where they go to a Harvard bar. And Matt Damon's character, Will, is confronted by a smug Harvard jerk who thinks he knows everything. And he starts lecturing Matt Damon's character on all of these things, these highfalutin ideas. And Matt Damon has this great line that really works in this circumstance. So, Jared, you got that from Vickers. Work in Essex County, page 98, right? Yeah, I read that too. Were you going to plagiarize the whole thing for us? Do you have any thoughts of your own on this matter? Claudine Gay says no. <laughs> no, I just didn't think you guys were going to find out about it. Nobody thought that, nobody ever thinks they're going to get caught. And that's why. And, and you got that from Vickers. That's why it's one of those situations, Jared, where when you hear it, it's like blood in the water. When you hear they caught one circumstance of, of uh, plagiarism, you go, okay, so how many days until we find out the rest? Especially now with the internet. People start sleuthing. I'm wondering if Claudine Gay is going to blame this on a time-traveling hacker. I think that should be the next thing. I mean, she uses other people's words when on other people's excuses. Yeah, there's got to be some good She's excuses. She's going to plagiarize the excuse. Oh, was a time-traveling hacker. Jared, that's a great idea. I was trying to, I was trying to put something on Twitter. I go through these stages in life where... Sometimes I, I won't focus on Twitter at all, and then other times I'm like, you know what, I kind of want to go viral. And I was going to put together an idea where I was going to take Joe Biden's letter that he sent in like 1987, uh, an apology about his plagiarism. I might have the year wrong. And he, I think he sent it to a university or something. He, he got caught plagiarizing. He sent a letter of apology to someone. I wanted to take the letter and cross out Joe Biden's name at the bottom and write Claudine Gay. Kind of like a Babylon Bee-esque meme. Um, but I couldn't find the actual letter, and then I realized I'm wasting too much time on this. But you're right. I mean, if you're going to... Here's the crazy part. So I was typing in plagiarism, apologies, because I wanted to see somebody's apology for plagiarism. You know what the crazy thing is? They were all the same. They were all the same, Jared. But there's websites where it says, like, it's for students. You got caught plagiarizing. This is how you should write your letter, your apology letter. To the school, because you know how they all say, like, okay, you need, you have thirty days to write us, explain, whatever. So there are people who are going on these blogs, being like, how how do I apologize to the school for plagiarizing? What's the best way to write it? Here's a tip: maybe write this one on your own. Maybe just whatever you can come up with that's your own idea would be better in this circumstance. Maybe now is not the time to ask for help. But what do I know? I see, Jared, I didn't go to Harvard, okay, where there's equations on the walls and stuff. I'm just a girl with a radio show trying my best. So maybe that is the uh, the best way to handle it. But, you know, Jared, the other thing I was thinking of, speaking of movies. So yesterday we did this poll question. We said, what's the best movie? You're right. Movie? Then you've been athlete. And 
we, so we said, what's the best Christmas movie? Everyone had different ideas. But for the most part, the poll was a runaway. It's a wonderful life. I was rooting for Home Alone 1 or Home Alone 2. So then last night, because we had talked about it all day, I was like, you know what? I never actually watch the movies. I talk so much about Christmas movies and then the season comes and goes and I don't watch it. So I turned on Home Alone 1. And I love Home Alone 1. There's so many lines I love, including you are what the French call les incompetents. It's one of my favorite lines. But another one of my favorite lines, you know how sometimes you watch something so much that you don't realize how wacky it is, is when Kevin gets in a fight with Buzz when they're having the pizza party, spills the milk everywhere, spills the soda. It's a disaster. And then it gets really quiet. And Uncle Frank looks at him and says, look what you did, you little jerk. And I was watching that back last night and I was like, damn, Uncle Frank was kind of out of pocket for that. Looking at an, an eight-year-old and saying that in front of his parents? Like, if my, if my child was acting up and ruined the pizza party, yeah, I would be upset. But if my brother looked at my kid and said, look what you did, you little jerk, I'd be like, hey, pump the brakes. He's eight. It was an accident. And then the other sibling looks at him and goes, Kevin, you're such a disease. Uh, that would warrant a reply from the parents. There was some there was some definite toxicity in that family. There really that was. That really is not talked about. For a group of people and going it, to Paris, you would think they'd be a little bit nicer to one another. And it manifested in the form of Kevin becoming a sociopath or a psychopath in that case. He could have called the police at any time. I mean, that's out there. But he chose violence, as the meme says. Yeah. He chose violence. And I think Uncle Frank had a lot to do with that. Oh, definitely. When Uncle Frank finds out they left Kevin, he says, if it makes you feel any better, I forgot my reading glasses. Uncle Frank was a savage. He was also a cheapskate, too. But the other part of it is when the cop first comes in, Joe Pesci's character, when he first comes into the house, and he's like, oh, I, I, I said to my husband last night, <laughs> who, by the way, is like a saint for dealing with me at all times and listening to this nonsense. I looked at him and I go, but really, though, what a great idea from these burglars. Like, let's go in. We'll dress up as cops. We'll find out exactly what they have. Because then the dad says, Jared, for anyone who doesn't know the plot, the dad says, we've got locks and we've got, you know, lights outside. That's the best you can do. In other words, there's no alarm system. It's such a good movie. I still can't. Uh, clearly, I'm still bitter that it lost. Um, but you know what? Maybe my my vote in today's poll question will do better. Today's poll question is brought to you by the Eden Pure Gen 40 heater. You can reduce your heating bills with the Gen 40 heater, and you can increase the temperature, make it really nice and toasty warm while you're watching Home Alone 1 or Home Alone 2. Order or Goodwill Hunting. Order fast and now at EdenPureDeals.com. You can save $50 with code GRACE50, but don't forget code GRACE50 and get free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, code GRACE50. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at GraceCurlyShow.com, is what's your Christmas lights preference, white or multicolored? Let me start by saying... I like all the lights. So if you go through the trouble of putting them up, which is more than I can say I did this year, I salute you and I support whatever you're passionate about. Personally, when I'm walking around and seeing lights in the neighborhood, I do think the white lights look better because it, it looks like snow. It looks like glowing snow all over the house. That's my vote. I, I'm going white lights. I know it's boring. I know, but I, I'm a multicolored lights guy. So 
This poll question. Do you is... want to make your Do you want to make your case here? Do you want to go head to head? No, I, I I just like the look of multiple different colored lights, like the red, the blue, the green. I, I just like how that looks compared to just white. I find white's a little boring. But okay. My wife likes white, so our lights are white. Taylor, so, Taylor said the same thing yesterday. So that, that, he yeah, said, my my exactly. wife likes the white lights. I like the multicolored, so we compromised so and we went, have white lights. Went with white, yeah. And the it's a very Meru-esque poll. White is only at 35%. 65% say multicolored. Oh, good, though. It's fun. You know what? I, I don't... Um, I'm not going to argue with you that the white ones are more boring. And I think that's part of something I have to they, grapple uh, with myself. Again, I'm a more boring person than most people. But I'm the boat with you. I like it all. So Yeah. I, can't I really go. Yeah. Well, Although this, I, I do not like... I know what you're going to say, the net. No, Well, the net. Yeah, I don't like the net. <laughs> Nobody likes I don't the like net. the inflatables. I don't like the net. But I don't like the new LED blue. There's an older blue that, that, that was a lot warmer. This new LED blue is really just... It's a very blinding. dark, blinding blue. That that bulb I do not like. Okay. So Jared's on the record. He doesn't like the new blue. He likes the multicolored. And if you have white lights, he will accept it. Uh, Mr. Garcia, you're next up on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Mr. Garcia. Yes. Hi. Merry Christmas. Um, I'm going to vacation tomorrow. I'm going to my country. I wish you the best and have a car Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I want to ask you a question. My goal 2024 is not Donald Trump. It's the Senate and Congress to win the Republican Party. That is my goal, those guys to win 2024. How you, you know, it's my desire those people can win uh, the Congress and the Senate. Yeah, I would love that, Mr. Garcia. Put me in for that as well. I, I want uh, the GOP to win as many races as they possibly can. I'm a little bit nervous, Mr. Garcia. I won't lie to you. RNC has not had a great track record thus far with Rona McDaniel. But, uh, hey, I am an eternal optimist. So especially with the Christmas season upon us, I'm, I'm hoping that all your Christmas wishes come true. By the way, Mr. Garcia, have safe travels have a lovely, lovely holiday, and Merry Christmas to you and yours, and thank you for calling in. We appreciate it. I know Howie would love to hear from you later on in his show as well. He would love to get a Christmas wish from Mr. Garcia. 844-500-4242. You know what we got to talk about? We got to, should I say that? I don't know. I'm so tempted. Maybe I can talk about it more than once, because I never do that, Jared. I always feel like I can only talk about something once, but when it comes to Jeffrey Tubin, why not talk about it more than once? So MSNBC... Damn! Jeffrey Tubin? It wouldn't be a Christmas episode of The Grace Curley Show if we didn't have O.J. Simpson talking about Jeffrey Tubin pleasuring himself on Zoom. Right? Does that not scream Christmas to everybody else? Damn! Jeffrey Tubin? Jeffrey Tubin. At least Pee Wee Herman was in an X-rated movie theater. I'm just saying. It's the laugh at the end where he cracks himself up. I'm just saying. Okay. Always had a sharp wit, that OJ. <laughs> so, Jeffrey Tubin's back. This is the Christmas gift that nobody asked for. Jeffrey Tubin is back on TV. It didn't take long. This is what I this is what I mean when people are like, "Oh, he's canceled," or "Oh, so and so's fired." Every America loves a comeback. We're a very forgiving people. Okay, it wasn't even that long ago that this man was caught in a Zoom call. 
again, I'm going to use a euphemism here, pleasuring himself. I don't like to say the M word at, the, at this hour on the radio. I know I could. I wouldn't get in trouble for it, but I'm just a classy girl like that. But this guy's back now. And what what is he back talking about? He's back talking about the, the uh, Colorado Supreme Court decision, the 4-3 decision to kick Trump off the ballot, which, of course, people don't think is going to stand when it goes to the uh, U.S. Supreme Court. But... Still not good. Still doesn't bode well for the state of democracy, which all these people, all these talking heads claim to care so much about. So Jeffrey Tubin goes on TV with another Mensa member, Chris Hayes, and they decide to talk about this and how they're very nervous about the safety of these judges. I didn't think anyone cared about safety. I guess this is similar to what we were talking about with, you know, rules for thee, not for me. If it's Democrat judges who are getting any sort of threats, then we have to be on high alert. Then we have to really care about their safety. But when when it's conservative judges and it involves zip ties and protests and death threats and guns and backpacks and and Chuck Schumer telling them that they're going to reap the the whirlwind or reap for the consequences of what they did and they're going to rue the day, then that's okay. That all gets brushed under the rug. Then you don't get the Jeffrey Tubin treatment on that. Um, We will play this sound for you. It's ridiculous. And just for the record, I don't like any threats ever. But I'm consistent like that. Can't say the same for the people at MSNBC. Um, When we come back, we'll take your calls. 844-500-4242. Jared, we're almost already done with the first hour. Craziness. Did you miss us when you were gone for a week? Yes. Okay, well, okay. (laughs) Why was there a question mark at the end of that? Uh, no, I, I did. It was a very, very nice time off. Well, you deserve yeah. the time off, so it makes sense. You soaked but, it in. Uh, it is it is fun to be back. It's fun to be back, and it's fun to be back on a day like today, Jerry. I was going to take Monday off, though, FYI. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll all take a little break on Monday. Um, when we come back, we'll take more of your calls. We'll talk more. We've got so many other stories to get to. I really am worried. I sound like Will Ferrell in uh, old school. I- I'm just worried we're not going to have enough time. When we have Jessica Vaughn on, because there's so much going on with illegal immigration in this country. It's it's really, um, I think, one of Joe Biden's biggest failures. And keep in mind, that's stiff competition because there's been a lot of failures to keep track of. One thing about me, though, that you can always count on, especially as we head into the wintertime. I was talking to Emma today and I said, Emma, you got a hot coffee today. She usually always gets iced coffee. She said it was too cold. It was just too cold. But I don't. I still get my iced coffee. You know why, Jared? Because when I come in here, I got my Gen 40 heater. So I don't care how cold it is. For me, it's always toasty warm. And it's that convective and infrared heat combines together, and it gives you this warm, roaring, fireplace-style heat that I love. And I can bring that warmth with me wherever I go. I have one in my house, so if I'm in my living room, watching Home Alone, watching Goodwill Hunting, watching It's a Wonderful Life... I can be warm and toasty without heating up the whole house and cranking up my bills. You want to get your bills low, the temperature high, and you'll be so happy with the Gen 40 heater. Plus, Jared, as you always point out, it goes with all decor and style. Yeah, it really, it's it's a very sleek looking, and actually it's the sponsor of the poll question. So if you vote in the poll question, actually at gracecurlyshow.com, you'll actually be able to see a picture of the Gen 40 heater itself, but it's got nice black and wood paneling aesthetic looks very mid-century, and like you said, it's very movable from room to room. And uh, I got a walker now, so we most of the time he's barefoot because the socks don't really have traction. We have hardwood floors, so we keep him barefoot so he can 
you know, keep walking and doing his thing. So you don't, you know, I get to wear slippers. My wife wears slippers, but you don't want him to be cold. So we actually turn on the uh, Gen 40 heater in whatever room he's he's walking into. And it's safe for walking kids. In. It's got it's a lot of cool features. Don't have to worry about it. It doesn't heat up. It You know, it it's not going to, if he touches it, which he has, um, it's not going to burn him, which it didn't. So. Yeah, and you can right now you can save fifty dollars this week only with code Grace fifty. Again, if you go to eatimpuredeals.com, use code Grace fifty, you'll get free shipping. And also, if you're panicking for a Christmas gift and you're like, I wanted to get this but I didn't get it, print out a picture of it, put it in an envelope, and say it's on its way. It's a perfect gift. So go to eatimpuredeals.com for free shipping and for fifty dollars off. Use code Grace fifty. We will be right back with more. It's almost Christmas time, and it's the Grace Curly Show. Hi, it's Toby from Cape Gunworks. I'm taking all your firearm and self-defense questions every Tuesday. Join Grace and me for 2A Tuesday, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. This is the Grace Curley Show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. Still a lot of sound to get to. My favorite sound cut of the day, which I'm saving. We haven't played it yet, but it's definitely worth hearing, is from Douglas Murray. He was um, having a head-to-head with the guy from the Young Jerks. Is that what it's called? Uh, Young Turks. Is there one called the Young Jerks, though? I don't know. There might be. I think That might be like a euphemism for what they are, but Young Turks is the official of, okay, well, uh, Shank Weger. Yeah, Shank Weger. They were having a back and forth, and this guy Douglas Murray, who's a journalist, he just destroyed him when it comes to the Israel Hamas war. Really, everybody on the yeah that, on that side of the issue, like all the infographic, uh, you know, social justice warriors, definitely had to take a minute and catch their breath after this. So we will play that. Um, but Jared, more importantly, not more importantly, that's a lie. But something I want to get in here. Can you read the tweet? We were just talking about Christmas lights, and I mentioned that Oh yeah. <laughs> whether it's multicolored or white lights, it's more than I have on my house, so I'm proud of you and good for you no matter what color lights you have. And this texter, who chose violence today. Yes, the, the Kevin McAllister of texters uh, from 603. Isn't your husband an electrician? You have no lights? The cobbler's children have no shoes. <laughs> I just texted my husband. I said, please tune in. We're about to talk about you. We we don't talk about him often, once in a while. Um, I will say we have the lights. This is going to sound even lamer. This is even worse, I think. We have the lights that you put in the windows. The candles? Yeah. That's it. It's better than that projector thing that projects fake lights. Exactly. Exactly. It's all relative. We'll be right back with Jessica Vaughn from the Center for Immigration Studies. Don't go anywhere.